Welcome back. Today we're talking to Martin Pretty from Equitable Investors, who runs the Dragonfly Fund, specialists in small cap, both IPO, pre-IPO, unlisted and listed. Martin, welcome. You've got an extra face there beside you this time. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me back on. And I uh, just wanted to introduce Mickey Mordek, who's recently joined Equitable Investors from Intelligent Investor, which um, I'm sure some of your members would be familiar with. Um, and so Mickey's had a great record following the kind of stocks that we would be interested in, stocks that aren't necessarily well covered by other analysts um, across a diverse range of industries, fintech, property, um, general industrials and technology. Welcome, Mickey. Uh, welcome aboard. We look forward to hearing more from you in the future. Um, yeah. You're certainly at the smaller end of the market, and that sort of fits with intelligent investor, hence why Mickey's on board. Can you tell us something about the, the recent activity, either in the pre-IPO space or enlisted space where you've been active? Sure. So in terms of our own personal activity, so last month there was a bit of publicity around a Sydney-based fintech called Parpera. Um, Parpera has an app and is connected into, it's basically got a banking as a service proposition and an application for small businesses to um, issue invoices, get analytics on their, on their spending and their revenue, manage their own personal finances for businesses that aren't yet ready for the full kind of zero proposition and are probably relying on spreadsheets and not doing a good job. Uh, and get an integrated bank account in the process. Uh, so we led a capital raising. It's their second real round. They did a crowdfunding round a year earlier. Um, a family officer of a well-known executive in the space came in alongside us as well. And he's been there in a similar space and done very well several times over. So we're very pleased to have him in his family office along for that journey. Um, and then we're also looking at, there's a bit of publicity about one of our holdings called Loom. Loom is known for its COVID rapid testing, although it's also it's a platform that can do flu, um, a whole range of other potential tests as well in the pipeline. But they're being, they've been flagged in the press as preparing for an IPO. So we're kind of looking forward to how, how that looks. Uh, that would be the main bits of action in our unlisted portfolio at the moment. And what proportion of the portfolio is unlisted? It's 25% at the moment. So, so that's quite a high proportion, and you see that flowing through the listing in the next six to 12 months? Yeah, so a couple of those, the biggest portion of that would be Illum, and Illum is looking like that's the direction they're heading. Uh, there's another company we hold called Updata, which was IPO'd on the ASX and then delisted. Uh, we, we expect that will go for a listing on the NASDAQ. Uh, then there's a few smaller companies like Papera, and we hold an interest in a digital insurance broker called Upshore, and they're probably younger companies that will do a few more private rounds first. So it's fair to say you've, you're heavily focused on technology, whether it's fintech or general technology, medical technology. Is that the case in the 75% listed side of the portfolio as well? So we don't deliberately intend to go down any specific revenue, I mean, any specific line or sector or industry, we're generalist and we're looking for opportunities first and foremost. We say straight out the outset, we don't know enough about geology, so we don't do early stage mining, we don't do mining at all really, and we, we don't punt on drug development with phase one, two or three drug trials. Uh, we don't see us having any, any edge there. 
But the, the reality is that we tend to find opportunities more in the software and technology space, and they are a significant portion of our portfolio. Although you can argue, so one position of ours, MedAdvisor, is, a, is an application software business, but it's, it's providing services to the health space, providing marketing. So is it is it a true IT stock? Is it a health stock? Is it in the marketing game where it helps people like GlaxoSmithKline access their customers? It's still very technology orientated, which is obviously the space to be. I mean, we've, we've seen that. That's throughout industry, throughout commerce at the current time. Technology is the, the, the big advances. So you're obviously in the right space. Uh, that's provided something like 46% returns for your investors over the past 12 months. Uh, can you see that? I'm sure you'd love to see that continuing. Can you see that continuing? Or where do you see the whole market going from here? Yeah, I guess we, we try not to invest in the market and play the market. We're trying to invest in, you know, the bottom up. We're investing in a business that we see a great opportunity um, and good drivers, good fundamentals in the business and, the great, and um, people who run the business and we can back and trust. Um, Having said that, so say, for example, a company like MedAdvisor, we don't think it's been rewarded for its proposition yet. So we're very optimistic about a company like that and what it could do for the portfolio going forward. Uh, we've had some recognised and even so some of our big contributors in the past year, um, we mentioned Loom, which was revalued. Um, then we've got a company that's based in Sydney but listed in New Zealand called Geo. And Geo provides an application for tradies and field services uh, operators to run their businesses. So Geo has been significantly re-rated and we've, we've done very, very well out of it. But I think there's an argument that it's still only at the starting gate. Um, it's got to the bottom end of their range of what they think they should be priced on in terms of a revenue multiple of five times their ARR. And they're just really, they've just raised capital, they've proved up their customer acquisition model and the economics of it, and they're now going to have a real crack at building that customer base and growing the economics of their business. So opportunities like that say to us, yes, there's definitely an opportunity for us to continue to perform. Um, there's no guarantees in life, though, and things do go wrong as well. So just on that note, have you had any notable failures? I mean, no one likes to talk about their failures, but have you had any notable failures? And if you find something not working, how do you handle it? Yeah, so lately we've had a really good run. Um, three and a half years ago, we had a few stocks that did turn badly on us. Um, probably three stocks in, or four stocks in particular that hurt performance for a little while. And they were for different reasons and we reacted differently to them. So one was a business called iSelect, which is probably a, it's one, it's a very well-known brand. Most people would be familiar with its proposition. iSelect has had a very volatile history in terms of its earnings. And there's been over time, not lately, but over time there's been a series of mistakes made in terms of the direction people have turned the business, what they've invested in. A classic was hiring way too many people in their call centres at a period of quiet time, so the earnings disappeared. But what we loved about the business is that despite those mistakes, it has a really strong balance sheet. It has um, a chunk of trail commission which is commission it's already earned from previous activities that just continues to flow in that's on its balance sheet and i don't believe really recognized and despite all that noise its revenue continues to clunk along and it can be run as a very effective business um, and generate cash flow for shareholders and maintain its position in its markets and grow into new 
markets as well, which it is doing at the moment. So that's one where it, it diminished in portfolio, but we still hold it and we're stuck through the whole time. Um, a different example would be a company that was called ARQ, which was previously Melbourne IT. And we had a situation with ARQ where we'd spent a lot of time meeting with the CFO. We spoke to the CEO, um, doing our homework. And in a space of about three weeks, they presented the same set of numbers at two conferences. The CFO spoke to us and confirmed those numbers. And then the very, almost a day later, they had a downgrade. And it turned out they're an IT company that didn't have the systems to actually really know what was happening in all their subsidiaries. And that, that hurt. And, you know, we exited that and moved on because um, we just felt the, the investment thesis was shot uh, and there was no point sticking around. So they're two, two classic examples, I guess. Sure. Just looking forward or to the present or the future, um, you're always looking for new opportunities in your smaller space. Do you find that there are more opportunities than you're able to invest in, or are you actually having to scratch around for look at, to, to look for opportunities? Uh, there's two answers. So the answer one is there is an amazing amount of opportunity. There's an amazing amount of small companies listed, unlisted, looking for investor attention, looking for capital. Um, but how many of them would you really want to invest in? I think you can thin that down. You can have a funnel and move that down pretty quickly. Um, and you have to know what, what you're looking for. You have to know what you feel is in your circle of competency. Um, but certainly having, having Mickey around as well and expanding our team, there will be a further addition to the team, means we have more grunt and more power to look at things going forward. Um, but I would say we're probably still only, we're only going to have a portfolio of 25 to 35 stocks normally. That's all we really want. Um, and we want to believe in those stocks and have conviction in those stocks. Oh, we don't need to be in every position. We don't need to participate in every capital raising. We just need to be selective and know what we want. So uh, I think that's probably the key to it, being actually able to be selective and choose the gems in, in amongst, let's not call it the rubbish, but let's uh, call, it, call the gems out of the, uh, out of the tailings. Um, it's probably a mining analogy, which is not appropriate given that you don't invest in mining stocks or, or resource stocks. Uh, but are there, any, are there any other areas where you see particular opportunities at the current time? Um, at sector level? At the sector level or the market level? I mean, do you, do you see the market having great risk? And there's a lot of talk around about tapering. There's talk about inflation. Uh, there's talking about uh, uh, increases in interest rates. Um, do, do you see that as a risk to what you're doing or is your portfolio or the stocks in your portfolio that are very growth oriented are they somewhat immune from that? Yeah, it's a good question. So I, I pride myself on having a portfolio that doesn't track the market. In fact, at times we get our beta, if I calculate our beta, we'll get down to zero and still, still have solid returns. Um, and, you know, we, we're bottom up, so we focus on the companies, but you have to be aware of the, the world in which those companies are operating and in which we're investing. So we definitely pay attention to what's going on with interest rates and inflation um, and valuation points. And we, I think we're definitely in a world now 
where there's uncertainty about inflation, there's uncertainty about which what that means for interest rates, and that plays out in valuation and cap rates, particularly for those companies that uh, have, have heavy expectations of large future cash flows that won't come for a long period of time. Um, so that's kind of the really high growth, high momentum stocks, probably mid cap and large cap tech typically. And we, we don't really play in that space. We, we kind of frame ourselves as looking for growth and strategic value and that price is important to us to buy that growth at the right price. Um, we invest in companies that aren't profitable as well as companies that are profitable, but uh, a company that's not going to generate its value for the next 10 years, if you did DCF, that's not really our way of investing. So we think we've got some shielding from that interest rate inflation environment. Um, or statistically, you can see there's, there's actually been a correlation between the positive performance of smaller stocks and inflation expectations, but you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't bet my house on any of those statistics. Um, market structures can change, and and for that reason, we stick to our bottom up process really. So, is the biggest risk to you liquidity in the underlying stocks, or because you're not trading them, can you to a degree ignore liquidity and say we're there for the long term and we're buying companies? that will grow over time? Our biggest risk in any reporting period, any monthly pricing of the fund would be liquidity risk. We, we invest in some stocks that are very liquid and others that have wide spreads. And the last trade on the last day of the month can make a difference to the performance of, of a contribution of any particular stock. On, so in the short term, yes, but it's also an opportunity. And you know we're not heavy traders, but we will move around our positions. If something goes up a lot, you know, we're inclined to assess whether there's a better place to put that money. And if something goes down a lot and we still believe in the thesis, we might put more money into it. And that means playing the liquidity spread as well. If we get an opportunity to buy something on the low side of the spread, we're we're, um, always keen to look at that. So nervousness and sleepless nights coming into the end of the month, Martin, is that correct? Um, I guess it looks on. It depends on your perspective. So you know, we like to have good numbers every month, but that's not the aim of what we're doing. Um, if we have a down month, we have a down month, and as long as we know why that occurred and we're confident in the longer term, uh, our longer term perspective on the portfolio, then we'll, we'll sleep, and hopefully our investors will sleep because hopefully they get that as well. Terrific. I'm pleased to hear that, Marty. It's always good to talk to you. It's it's an area I think you know we. Uh, enjoy talking about the financial sector, obviously, which we're in, or the small cap sector, uh, technology. It's it's of interest to us personally, but it's also of interest uh, to the the users of the Fund Monitors website. Good luck. Uh, we look forward to speaking to you soon. And Mickey, welcome aboard. Um, I hope you have a great time with Martin. He's a bit of a leader in his area. So uh, good luck. Uh, it'd be great. I've already learned a lot from him. So looking forward to doing more together. Terrific. Okay. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for the support.